they have different motivations. They want to know what's going on. They want to be involved in decision making. They they want to understand you know the, the whys and the hows. Those were things that just never even crossed my mind as, as a fire recruit. Chance Sky Media. 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 Code 3, the podcast for firefighters. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again. If you've had the opportunity to work with millennials, you know they're a very different kind of employee. And while I'm not saying you have to treat them like snowflakes, they have a new set of motivations. Our guest today is here to give us some insight on how to work with these young people. Rob Wiley is a 29-year fire service veteran. He retired as fire chief of the Cottleville Fire Protection District in St. Charles County, Missouri. He's also served as a tactical medic with the St. Charles Regional SWAT team for the past 19 years. Rob runs Catalyst Tactical Training and Consulting, which offers active violence response training for the workplace and emergency medical training. He's also VP of First Care Providers. And Rob Wiley joins me now to talk about millennials in the fire service. Rob, welcome to Code 3. Thanks, Scott. It's great to be here with you. I'm a big fan. (laughs) Thank you. Let's start by defining our terms. What is a millennial? Well, it's it's kind of hard to nail them down. There's a bunch of different definitions out there, but in general, they they kind of define um, millennials as people that were born between 1982 and 2004. You know, give or take a few. That's about the the closest I could come to a a definition. Uh, and that comes from a, a really good book from uh, Neil Howe and William Strauss. Uh, called um, The Book of Generations, A History of America's Future. It had a lot of great information on it. How are these uh, young people different as a group? Well, and I guess sometimes I'm even reticent to say that they're different people. Uh, Really what it is is they have different learning styles, different motivation styles. It's not the traditional um, kind of top-down militaristic uh, style that, that, you know, people that are old men like me came up in where it was, you know, the company officer or a chief officer came in and said, jump, and you said, how high? Uh, the, these folks are, um, they, they, they have different motivations. They want to know what's going on. They want to be involved in decision-making. They, they want to understand, you know, the, the whys and the hows. And those were things that just never even crossed my mind as a, as a fire recruit. Uh, and, you know, it's, I don't think there's anything really wrong with that, but it's something that we as the older folks who now find ourselves in charge of the shop have to, have to understand and realize and and make sure that we're we're giving people what they need because after all if you're a company officer your 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 people that work for you are your clients so to speak and you got to give them what they need to be successful so understanding what their motivations are goes a long way to doing that now is it fair to say that when you say jump they say why instead of how high 
Exactly. <laughs> so, That's perfect. <laughs> so in order to work with people like that, you've got to change how you act overall then because you can't just say jump. You have to expect that they're going to want to know why from the outset. Right, exactly. And it's, it's, a, it's a change in mindset where you have to, you kind of have to understand yourself what the motivation is. Uh, you know, I know when, when I was a young firefighter, if my captain said did do something, I did it. And I, I also got the feeling very often that he wasn't really 100% sure why either, but somebody told him to do it with more bugles, so that's the way it was going. We used to call it the excremental laws of gravity. But, uh, <laughs> but, but nowadays they, they want to know what's going on. And I think, I think it's important for us as leaders and fire officers to know what's going on too. I think we should know the motivation behind an order, behind a directive or a policy, and be able to um, explain that to our folks so, so they know the why. They know the, the background. Uh, something that's just delivered on its surface sometimes can be really not very palatable. You know, people have a negative reaction to it. But if they understand the whys and the hows and the background, a lot of times that goes a long way to making them understand. They may not like it, but at least they'll understand it. So knowing that, then, are they um, different kind of followers? I find that a lot of them are different followers in a positive way. Um there's there, there's a whole school of thought and leadership called followership, right. and, and in a nutshell, the followership means that you you, you accept your role uh, as a subordinate as a follower, but your job is to do everything you can to make your leader successful, and by doing that, you're successful. And I find a lot of these kids have that kind of a feeling. They they want that team success. They want that group success. They're willing to. Uh, do what they can to make you successful as a leader, as long as you're kind of bringing them in, giving them a peek behind the curtain, and, and letting them in on the whys and the hows and the, and the what-ifs. Does that make them less effective as firefighters? I think it makes them more effective, to be honest with you. It can be a pain in the ass. If you're a firefighter, if you're a fire chief or a fire officer, and you have to you know, really kind of change the way you think about things and how you deliver messages and how you talk about policies and how you do your training, it, it's a task. But it's a task that's well worthwhile because I think in the end, uh, you know, let's face it, these kids are smarter than we were. <laughs> uh, they're more technologically advanced. They're more, they've been exposed to a lot more things in their lives than we ever were at that age uh, just because of their access to things like the Internet, um, social media, all these types of things make them really very worldly people. And, you know, there, there are days when I'd have guys come in and they'd, they'd want to talk about uh, an idea that they saw on the internet that these guys in Sweden were doing. Uh, it had to do with how to, you know, attack a car fire. And I thought, man, that's fascinating that, you know, here we are getting influences really from all over the world. And these kids are all open to that because that's their world. That's, that's their uh, wheelhouse is everything's right at their fingertips with the internet. And I think overall it makes them better. So they're actually better firefighters and not really snowflakes at all. Well, some of them still be snowflakes, and they need a swift kick in the butt periodically. But at the same time, if you take the positive attributes of, of, of what most of these people bring to the job, it does make them better firefighters. It makes them smarter firefighters. It makes them more adaptable firefighters. Uh, you know, I can remember when, you know, they brought EMS into our department. You would have thought the, the world was coming to an end. When the captain came in with his head hung down like his dog just died, to tell us that we we're going to have to start making EMS runs and we're going to have to get our medics licenses and all these other things, uh, which which I personally thought was great. Um, 
But now these guys come in with some of the similar motivations. They're very adaptable. When you throw something new at them, they jump right on it. Um, you know, they're looking it up on their phone before you can quit talking about it, you know. So they're they're very adaptive learners. Do millennials learn differently than, say, we did? Yeah, I think so, overall. And, you know, and, again, it's, it's hard. I, I always get a little bit of a, a cringe when we talk about things like this because we're generalizing yeah. and, and, you know, kind of pigeonholing people as you're a millennial. You know, everybody's different. But in general, the, the, the newer kids coming into the fire service, they learn. Uh, they learn in a much different way. They they they're much more visual learners. Um, they they want to have things present to them in formats that kind of mimic what how they learn at school. Uh, things like a flipped classroom, which blew my mind. And this I was just exposed to this about two years ago, uh, where the concept was, we'll put all the material, you know, the the learning, the didactic portion of, of a training section. We're going to put it online, and you're going to watch it on your own time. And then when we have our scheduled training time together, we're going to spend all our time doing hands-on stuff and answering your questions about what you read on your own. That's a radically different way to do training than we used to do it. But it's also very effective because, as I said, I think most people in the fire service are tactile learners. They want to get their hands on it and they want to do it. And there's nothing worse than, you know, sitting them down in front of a classroom and killing them with PowerPoint for three hours. Let them look at their own time and their own format on their laptops, at their phones, whatever, and then spend your time together working through the questions that they have based on what they read. Spend your time putting your hands on it and working through the issues with them. I think that's a much more effective use of our time. I wonder if there isn't a downside here, though, when you say they want the freedom to do things in new ways. Isn't that asking for trouble on the fire ground? Well, there still needs to be there still needs to be guidelines. I mean, and 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 I always say that you know your job as a fire service officer is to lay down the rails and make it perfectly clear that the expectation is that you stay between these two rails. You know, where you bounce around between those two rails, you know, it's kind of open for discussion. I had mentioned in the article that I wrote, uh, a friend of mine is a human resources director with a, a fairly large company. Um, had what they called um, blue line, black line methodology. And the black line was what had to be done. And, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to put the fire out. At the end of the day, you've got to save the person in the car accident. But how you attack those tasks, how you approach that problem, that's what they consider the blue line. That's where there's some, there's some allowable uh, creativity, if you will, to attack the problem. Now, again, it has to be done in a supervised manner. It's not something I would ever suggest. You just, you know, the first time you want to try something is while there's somebody hanging upside down in a, in a car that's on fire. These are things that need to be worked out in training, things that we need to be practiced. So it's not spontaneous per se. But I think giving people the opportunity to be creative and to innovate and to improvise is a strength that most people in this business have. And, and it's been stifled for a long time. I think the opportunities are there to let people really blossom and add to the collective fire service knowledge by letting them go outside the bounds a little bit sometimes. But they have to know where those boundaries are. And there still has to be chain of command. There still has to be discipline. All those things that are hallmarks of the safety aspects of the fire service cannot go away. But within those two rails, I think there's a lot of room for uh, some creativity. How did these young people get along with the older guys on the cruise? 
Actually, they're pretty good at it. They get along with the older guys better than the older guys get along with them. I think it's pretty funny because they figure out pretty quick what makes them tick and what ticks them off and, and what makes them happy, and they'll play them like a fiddle. You know, they, they're very in tune to what's going on in the firehouse. And, uh, you know, I laugh when I see some of the older guys grouching about the younger guys. Uh, and then the younger guys come in and they, they hear them grouching about it and they'll fix it. And they'll say, okay, that makes them mad. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do this. But at the same time, every single day, they're nudging them a little bit closer to the way, their way of thinking. It, it's kind of funny to watch, but I think they're pretty adept at dealing with people too. Well, it sounds like the new generation may have some advantages over us. I think they do. You know, and then I was, I laugh. But, you know, when, when I started in the fire service, most of the guys that were chief officers and company officers were military veterans, guys coming out of Korea, guys coming out of Vietnam. And I'm sure when they saw us coming, they thought, my God, the fire service is doomed. These guys are idiots. Every generation <laughs> thinks that about the younger generation coming in. That's just the way it is. That's but the fact true. of the matter is, I think every generation coming in has been smarter. They've been better educated. Uh, they're more worldly. Uh, and, I, and I think they have uh, access to technologies uh, that, that we never had. And we have to take advantage of that. You can't just say, you know, wow, a bunch of these, these kids don't know anything. Well, if they don't know anything, that's your fault. you got to teach them. That's your job is to teach them what you know. But you have to couch it in a way that's, that's receptive to them. You know, you think a lot of these folks spend a lot of time on the Internet. They spend a lot of time on their phones. They, they, uh, I think that one of the statistics I read that the average person that falls into this millennial category sends an average of 50 texts a day. If I send 50 texts in a month, I'm doing a lot. And I like texting. But, so, but what that tells me is that's, that's a way to communicate with these folks. Instead of giving them written memos, send out a group text. You know, set up some, some social media sites that are just for your folks. Uh, I know that one of our, uh, one of our captains set up a, a web page that's restricted to just his crew. He posts training bulletins up there, uh, sends them messages, because he knows they look at it all the time. If he sends them an email or he sends them a printed thing in the interdepartmental mail, it'll sit there for six months. They never open it. But by God, if that phone dings, they're on it, and they're looking and see what's coming in. <laughs> All right. Chief Rob Wiley, thanks for joining us on Code 3 today. Anytime, Scott. Be safe. And as always, we put some more information on Catalyst Tactical and First Care Provider on the website, Code3Podcast.com slash Millennials. It's the biggest firefighting convention on the West Coast, and Code 3 will bring it to you. Firehouse World 2018 features speakers from around the world. Join Code 3 on March 6th, 7th, and 8th for complete coverage of the convention live from San Diego. Each night, we'll have a wrap-up of the day's events. If you can't go, count on Code 3 to bring Firehouse World to you. Just go to Code3Podcast.com. Code 3 is the Firefighters Podcast. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orton. Until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. 